0: Listening to the New Century Multiverse, Panther Soul. Part 4 Welcome back to the jungle. Chapter 21 First trap. Colo Nash.
1: The desert is a cold place under the shadow of darkness, and Leah shivers under my arm. <laughs> Even the bastard little reptile Chompy, or whatever his name is, curls around my wrist and does not bite or claw me for once. <laughs> Beatrix sits alone, her back against the sleeping sun dragon, as it warms itself internally with stored heat. The surface of its skin remains cool to the touch in the night and I can see the pirate captain trying her best to suppress immense tremors through her body. Eventually, I knock my head to one side, beckoning her over. She gets up immediately and shuffles behind me, wrapping a paw awkwardly around my waist. I do not tease her, instead I focus my energy. My tattoos glow red. But do not burn, and everyone pushes in to absorb that warmth. We must be visible for miles, and my ear to the ground occasionally detects the echoed movements of far-off marching paws. The lions are on our tails. But that means we must be headed in the right direction.
2: Star Dancer, it is today, though I am starting to lose track. I have been in this desert once yesterday, but we had the oasis to look forward to. With the lions squatting there still, we have had to take the long way around. Fowler hauls a gargantuan tank of water for us all. Senate Noon and I lug the tents on our backs as Mog presses on before us. The sun is high in the sky overhead, but what our mother does with her shadow has ceased to disturb me and now feels like a thread holding me to life. We walk within this dark, moving pool, as though someone placed an enormous paw above our heads, blocking out the worst of the unbearable heat battering down. Noon is tiring badly, tottering along, She asks for water more than any of us, and when we finally stop for the evening to put up our tents, she flops down upon her belly, panting and wide-eyed. Mog sips from a cup and looks at her, before going to kneel next to the gasping jaguar.
3: (sighs) Ah, sweet Sweet one. one. Is Is there anything anything you have yet yet to tell tell me of what we seek? seek?
2: No, Mother... I've told you of everything I've learned.
3: Then, then answer, answer me truthfully.
2: You Can
3: you go on.
2: on? Yes. just need rest. Mog places a curved claw under her chin, lifting it to gaze into those frightened eyes. I said to tell me. Look, Look at, at your, your limbs. limbs. You, you can, can barely, barely move, move
3: anymore. There, there is, is but, but a little, little life left, left in you now. So, so answer so, me so, this. And do not, not lie. Love. Do you love your mother? I With yes. everything yes. in your being? You, then you, you give, give that to me freely. I don't want to go. I want to stay here with all of you.
2: Mother, listen to her. I interrupt. We can get through this terrible ordeal together. <laughs> Just sit up, Noon, please. Take another drink. Oh, my my, my big, big, bright, big bright shining, shining star.
3: star. You are so 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 kind, so so willing willing to to divvy out out that that compassion to everyone, Everyone. (laughs) but
2: But you all all surely understand understand
3: the true kindness kindness
2: I am bestowing. And before I can step in and pull Noon upright, Mog has lifted her as easily as a stuffed toy and pulls her, mewing, back into the woven tent. I jump forward to the flap, and am on the verge of hauling it aside, when a half-glimpsed, unmentionable sight catches the corner of my eye. Noon cries out, experiencing something beyond fear. This is that familiar, naked, unbridled terror of a sinful cat being purified and brought so close to absolute ecstasy. After the initial volley, it gains intensity, as the realization of what is actually happening to her takes hold, and that climax reverberates and peals around the lonely desert sky, chilling us to the bone. I kneel. Behind me, Fuller follows suit, while Senate stands, arms folded. We are so sorry, sister. I murmur, as the screams get louder and more agonized. Please, trace your way to the skies. And... To the rulers of the heavens, please take this soul and forgive her all her sins so that she may find peace. I see Senate. lick her lips nervously. By and by, as Noon's voice is broken, her screech subsides to a whisper and then a gurgle amid a sickening, snapping sound. I cannot get that snatch of imagery I just caught out of my head. I shudder inside and try to think of the faces of every one of my siblings who has been drawn inside that tent and never re-emerged. I have outlived all of them, time and again. This is because I am her favorite but that does not mean she listens to me. All I can do is beg her to reconsider. But then she changes her mind on these matters so often, I now struggle to recall whether this tactic has ever truly worked over tomorrows. Senate, Senate. comes a call from within the tent. I, I you need you to take, take care, care of what remains of noon. We, we shall be, be having a ceremony, ceremony shortly, shortly, shortly,
3: shortly to, to so celebrate to her passage to the, the Pure Lands. lands.
2: Senet stalks by me and disappears into the tent. I continue to kneel as the moon rises overhead. She emerges, a sack over her shoulder containing something clearly not as heavy as noon was just a short time ago. My remaining sister tosses a shovel to Fowler and stalks past me, smirking. This has been her sacred duty since she joined our family. The same as it was the duty of Ralosh before her, and Minim before him, and White Flower before her. I ponder the fact that Senate is holding this over me, this position of trust. I wonder who will be burying what remains of her when it is inside that sack. After the ceremony, when we have eaten and apportioned a moderate amount of water, Mog comes to sit beside me. As I gaze out over the dunes, a pale eternity of waves bathed in deep indigo dusk.
3: You are troubled,
2: my star. She murmurs. She is beautiful once more. I find myself sighing. Why do I love her? These places we have traveled close to, I say, I have seen from afar even though I was not trying to look cats in fine clothes. I saw different species greet one another. I'm getting those feelings again.
3: That maybe they are not as all bad as we fear?
2: Yes. I wonder if we approach and attempt to speak with some of them. Perhaps we shall learn more about the world through their eyes.
3: You are such a wonderful,
2: trusting feline. She says, stroking my head. I feel tingles of joy running down my spine at her touch. This is
3: precisely what I have raised you to be wary of. And yet you persist in your curiosity over what we both know full well are accursed and self-destructing people. How am I to keep you safe if you continuously return to giving these savages the benefit of the
2: doubt? I can fight extremely well, I counter. Were they to attack?
3: You would be overwhelmed,
2: Mog states plainly.
3: Your dancing is absolutely perfect for our goals and our intentions. But their knives would slip between your bones. Their spears would pierce your eyes. Oh, just the thought of...
2: She breaks off and holds her chest, a great sorrow radiating forth. (sighs) Just the thought
3: of your precious heart being cleaved in two by those barbarians. It is
2: unthinkable. But if we talk to them, I press harder. We know so many words in so many languages now, you and I. If we communicate...
3: What do you think will happen? Do you conjure they will look at you and see a boy? A girl? Some kind of unholy halfway point? My cherub, they would not need more than a second glance to decide you are not like them. Cast your mind back to what we have witnessed together. You know for certain that the only cats who will accept you fully and in totality, for whatever it is you choose to be, are your
2: family right here. She rests a gripping paw gently on my shoulder. I... I don't choose to to be this. I am this, I start to say once again, I am so sure I have said it before. Things are blurry as she draws me near. Hush. She croons. You need not qualify a thing. She is now nuzzling my neck and I feel her teeth there gently press into me. She is, of course, right. She sighs. I give myself over. Come to your mother.
1: Kolo Nash. The next day we can definitely make out the black line of troops against the horizon. Leo was right. This really is a race. We ride the Sun Dragon hard over the yellow ocean, but our water is getting horribly low. Beatrix advises us to only wet our lips. It feels like every drop we swallow evaporates out of us immediately. But something is coming up ahead. Several heads, in fact.
3: Crunchy! Feast your little eyes on those!
1: Leah squeaks in triumph.
2: <laughs> Sandy, get ready for a welcome of a lifetime. We're nearly home.
1: Rising out of the baking expanse we see tall, carven lynx effigies. Obelisks with their long ears pointed skyward. They are extremely ancient, and my eye drops to their base, submerged as it is. Could there be something big buried under there? A guardhouse of sorts, or long-abandoned reception plaza for Iberius because behind it, the jungle which had been a dark horizontal streak for far too long now soars up to meet us shimmering red as the sun dragon scrambles down the last dunes we press on after stopping to enjoy a moment of shade our heads are pounding with the throbbing pain of dehydration And we need water to live right now.
2: I think there was a river?
1: Leah claims. How far? Beatrix demands.
2: I don't know distance. I have flashes in my head. Images. I was too young to talk or really even walk. But I remember. But I remember. I remember those heads. Plus, my parents, the King and Queen, told me we would look for them when we came back.
1: Do you remember how you travelled then? Were
2: they on a mount like this? I think... some kind of caravan? Yes, a royal princess would need a caravan and many servants for such a long, hot journey.
1: We push through steaming red jungle now. I can smell swamp water, but nothing fresh.
2: Whatever happened to all the servants?
1: Maybe they weren't servants. Or maybe they all got themselves new lives near Bastarian. Did
2: you ever meet any of them?
1: How long did you live with your parents?
2: Okay, stop, stop.
1: Leah cries out. She is holding her head in her paws and gently rocking herself.
2: You're asking me to remember too much, too quick. I feel like my head is boiling when people do that, and at the moment, it might actually be boiling.
1: She scampers down off the sun dragon and rushes to the edge of the great grey-green-greasy swamp, all set about with fever trees. Insects scritch loudly around us. The water is still. She bends to drink. A nightmare explodes out of the depths, a thing of scaly muscle and fangs, its jaws wide and beady yellow eyes flared. Leah screams in fright, reeling back. I am on it before the Reptor Patriarch reaches her, a single strike extending out crashing into the side of its lower jaw. The bone snaps to the left and the beast makes a strangled gurgle and rolls sideways before sinking into the murky waters and the mud. I turn to the licks. She is panting uncontrollably, grabbing at her head and pacing back and forth. It's done, I assure her. It's gone. She will not calm down and wriggles away from Beatrix, so I cautiously fill my canteen. Don't drink, just swill it and spit it out, I say, passing the swamp water to her. She grabs the thing with both paws and starts draining it. I roar and snatch the bottle back. Damn it! you're gonna get sick now. <laughs> she turns away from me, cradling her pet, whispering to it.
2: You'll never hurt me. I know you'll never hurt me, it's alright.
1: I pace some distance away, not knowing how to fix this. Okay, Princess, we have to move now. Tell us which way.
2: There's paw prints over here!
1: Beatrix hollers, pointing down at a dirt track that has indeed been recently stepped through. Many paws, large paws. We follow the track, stopping mercifully at a small series of rapids with fresh water, flowing down into a stream. From this, we drink, refill, and bathe, checking carefully for wildlife this time. Leah is still in a quiet, muttering, intense state. She is starting to scare me, maybe she is genuinely crazy, I have suspected for a while that these stories she told us were at best a fabrication, at worst a delusion, a fantasy she has convinced herself is real, it certainly beats being a worthless thief in a city that for all its grandeur, history and prospects does not care if you live or die. I spot lanterns by the side of the road unlit in the daylight but with the scent of palofin oil still hanging upon them. Intelligent life is in this direction. I lead the sun dragon awkwardly through this environment which it obviously hates. Scrunchy the shit lizard glares at me from Lear's shoulder yet again as though trying to work out what dreadful wrong I perpetrated on him in the past. What? I demand of him. It's better not be because I punched your gargantuan uncle to death there just now, because you were going to be the appetizer.
3: You know what?
1: Leah turns and shouts.
3: You're a mean, angry asshole. Leave my god's damn friend alone.
1: She swivels and continues walking. This hurts. It shouldn't. Yeah, what do I care what some little punk thinks of me? I call at her back. You prefer the company of something I'd eat on a stick? char-grilled with spices, Then you just carry on considering the guy who brought you all the way here an asshole.
2: You are being a- Back off! I was going to say... Well,
1: don't! Let's just find this fabled royal family of the Western Wastes dump the princess back on them, get the directions to the Cloudbreaker and leave via the side door before the Albion army descends and rams themselves collectively up our hind quarters. As I finish, we crest the hill, cross a wooden bridge over a rushing river, and behold a vast ancient city down in the valley below. It is squared exactly like the carving back at Gazrahat. Towers at each corner and a large central plaza, Within the high pale grey gamblestone walls run long buildings with gently sloping red clay roofs and the vague shapes of cats moving back and forth among them. It isn't lost or abandoned. It's brimming with life. This blessed relief quite takes all our breath away and Leah begins to mew quietly with excitement.
2: you home,
1: says Beatrix, genuine kindness in her voice now. She is happy for the cup.
2: What are you going to tell them? Uh, I... I... I remember this sight. I really do have memories of seeing this place.
1: She breaks into a run and we give chase. Our heads spinning as the rush down a series of winding stone steps takes us closer to the front gates. We can now definitely see feline figures moving around inside. But scents which should not be there waft up into our noses. As she stumbles out directly in front of the gate and its tall guards, we take in the red, white and black flags the place is flying. Lynxes turn in the street to look at us through the open gates, but around them, towering over their heads, stride lions of Albion.
0: You have been listening to episode 21 of Panther Soul, Thirst Trap. Written, edited, and directed by Alexander Shaw. Noon performed amazingly by Tanya Milojevic. Morg performed horrifyingly by Maya Cerise. Stardancer performed spectacularly by Theo Lee. Kolo Nash performed adequately by Alexander Shaw. Captain Beatrix, performed nowhere near enough in this episode by Luetta Saylor and Leah performed magnificently, and rather upsettingly for me, by Willow Shaw Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound Ghost Story, Distant Tension and Mystical Force performed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com Egmont Overture, composed by Ludwig Van Beethoven, Witch by the Sea Composed and performed by Darren Curtis. The Desert Awaits, Myconid Colony, Protean Fields, March of the Faithful, Swamp Planet, Swamplandia, and The Feywild. All ambience from tabletop audio. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon, and our $15 sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you to Aaron Lacluzet, Abel Savard, Alejandra Vargas, Alex Brewington. Angus Lee Benjamin Hoffer Brian Novak Cassandra Chris Newman Chris Finnick Christopher Wolfe Kieran Dashler Connor Kennedy Dan Mayer Daniel Salguero Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman David Sheely Finbar Nicole Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing Jameis Enright Jesse Ferguson Joe Crow Joel Robinson John Clawson. Joe Gluck, Josh Waster, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahy, Lorraine Chisholm, Marty Polmeyer, Matthew A. Siebert, Michael Hasco, Robbie Crow, Sarah Montgomery, Tima Hellas hario Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby skeels Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras and Valencia Burns. For the maximum New Century Multiverse experience, you need to be checking out the podcast Through the Wind Door, where Greg Downing and Toby Skills Jungius talk us through each story like a book club and go into mind-boggling depth. I don't know about you, but I like having my mind boggled. They're currently up to Steamheart.